the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Boy, oh boy, do I have a show for you today. I'm going to talk about human beings being very good at surviving from an evolutionary perspective. We all used to be hunter-gatherers. We found food and shelter. We steered clear of predators. I'll talk about that. I had a predatory situation unfold in my life yesterday where I recently bought a home. And oddly enough, I someone sent me a list from Craigslist where someone was trying to rent it. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. That's my home. Um, called the police. We'll hit that story a little later. But I want to hit the markets first and foremost. I do want to talk hunting and gathering. I do want to talk about evolution and put it all into perspective of some way this is going to work. Earnings results are in abundant supply these days. Guidance has been better than feared. Some people in the industry are talking about peak earnings. Um, I'm sorry, peak earnings growth. And at this point, in time, maybe next year, we're talking about maybe adding 3% or 4% onto those current earnings. So getting back to more normalized type of earnings, growth, and total earnings. Facebook was one of the companies that reported earnings yesterday, trading slightly lower. It's not what they said in the quarter. It's what they said about the future. Wall Street is a not a what have you done for me lately. It is a what are you going to do for me for the next six months business model. Qualcomm's up, Comcast up, Royal Dutch is up. Boy, you have some different kind of companies there. Semiconductor Intellectual Property Company and Qualcomm making the internet faster with all of our devices. Comcast, which is just a mess of a company in my mind, from offering cable TV services to theme parks. Um, But they're kind of the poor man's Disney in the way they've, built their business, in my opinion, why own them? Royal Dutch up 5%, big oil company, Yum Brands up 3%, MasterCard Northrop Grumman up today. Didi, which is one of the companies that is kind of the Chinese Uber, they've been strong-armed by Chinese authorities since its IPO, is talking about going private. China does not like having their companies flaunted and creating wealth for Americans. Like they, they just, they want to keep that stuff in house all of a sudden, which is what I don't like about China. Um, and again, I'm not being Asian fearful. I'm not throwing down anything like that. I just don't like the government to me. Capitalism is what makes our stock market work so well. Communism where the government could say, well, let's, be public companies, and no, 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 it's going to be private companies. Too much of a yo-yo. And I saw it play out horribly a few years back when basically Putin got mad at some of the billionaires in his country, and he wanted their assets, so, and he took them. One of them was an oil company called Yukos. 
Um, they were the Royal Dutch Shell. They were the Exxon Mobil. They were the you get Chevron Texaco. They were a big oil company in 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 Russia. Publicly traded, and basically he's like, ah, you're criminals. We're gonna take all that oil. Thank you. Have a nice way uh, day at prison. So if you are a shareholder in America, and you're like, what the heck just happened? I went to zero. Yeah, you did. So DD is being strong-armed by the Chinese authorities, and it just it tells me I have to be very careful investing in China. If the rules can change, I can't control that. I can analyze a business plan. I can look at a financial statement. So I let other experts handle that kind of uh, gauge, per se, on China's government and their intentions. Second quarter GDP is a big story today. It reflected a massive rebound after the pandemic. It increased at an annual 6.5% rate. Keep in mind, typically our GDP is somewhere between two and three, two and four, which earnings will grow two to 4% in theory over time as we add more people and add more money and add more jobs to our economy. So 6.5% is a big number, but the problem is we're expecting 8.5%. That's not a good news story. Key takeaway from that is personal spending. Consumers are flush with cash, pent-up demand. U.S. economy, though, is flush with higher prices. And that's where we're losing a little bit of our GDP growth. We're paying a lot for what we're getting. We got weekly initial jobless report. Better than last week, but not great. First time unemployment claims came in at around 400,000. While continuing claims for the week ending July 17 increased by 7,000 to 3.2 million. It's an elevated level of claims. It's not a normalized economy. We would like to see that number around 350, 375,000. That's where we were pre-pandemic. That's kind of where we want to get back post-pandemic. And in no way, shape, or form do I think we're post-pandemic yet. The Delta variant is creating havoc, but not enough havoc to shut down the economy. Um, I saw Green Day at a concert in Atlanta yesterday, and oh boy, there was a lot of kids there without masks on. <laughs> and when I say kids, you know what I'm talking about. Anyone who's younger than me, you're a kid to me. So that's really the market news of the day. Uh, we'll get into this a little bit more in detail. Facebook had great earnings, had great growth, but it's what they said about the future, and that's the discounting mechanism that is Wall Street. I like saying things four or five times on the show to really pound it to you. The bond market operates in real time. It's analysis of the economy. So when the 10-year treasury goes from 1.6 down to 1.2, it's saying danger, 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 economy slowing down. Uh, pull up, pull up, pull up. You're losing speed. Wall Street's more like if Facebook's down after a fantastic quarter, that fantastic quarter is what drove the stock in the last six months. Now what's going to drive the stock is their forecasts for the future. Facebook shares turned lower after the company warned of slowing growth for the remainder of the year. Social media platform reported a profit of $10.4 billion compared with net income last year of 5.2. That's up 100%. Revenue rose 56%. There are now more than 3.5 billion people who actively use one of the more 
one or more services that Facebook offer from Facebook to Instagram to WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Typically, the second half of the year, especially the fourth quarter, is strong for online ad companies because they include a holiday shopping season. So for Zuck, Z-Man, um, for him to say the back half of the year doesn't look great or as great as it could, it's tough to read into. Because right now, a lot of companies are under-promising and over-delivering. Facebook reported its monthly active user count rose 7% from a year ago. That's impressive to $2.9 billion. Daily active users rose 7% compared to with a year ago. The very interesting part of Facebook that I care about as far as news stories go is the Quest 2 virtual reality headset. Executives have touted it as the first mainstream VR device. Analysts had forecast revenue of $690 million for the segment. Came in at about $497 million, well under expectations. Would you buy a virtual reality headset, augmented reality headset from Facebook, knowing that they're going to want you to use Facebook products? Do you feel weird being steered into it, or are you okay with that? As I get older, I feel weirder about it. I'm Rob Black. Find me at robblackshow.com. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Sometimes I prepare content. This podcast, broadcast, and I think it's almost too stupid for you. But I'm actually okay being stupid from time to time because I think it's, again, repeat after me. Repetition, repetition, repetition is how we learn. House prices have increased 81% in the United States over the last decade, including 17.6% last year alone. In this housing market, who wins and who loses? That's where this gets very, uh, yeah, Rob, no joke. I knew that. Simple, the homeowners are the winners. They get to keep the accumulated home price appreciation. This both increases their net worth and allows them an additional source of equity that they can borrow against if needed. Unlike homeowners, renters lose in this market. Again, kind of a no-brainer. At least those seeking to become owners do. For starters, the increase in home prices means it costs more to buy a home. We've seen home prices increase 17.5% from last year. Average hourly earnings only grew by 3.5%, thus meaning if you're a renter who's saving to become a buyer of a home, that cost of loans swelling much faster than your income. That's a big problem. The financial benefits of owning a home are significant. Assuming you have a fixed-rate mortgage, you've got a guaranteed monthly payment for the life of the loan. Let me throw down a real simple concept here, and I stole this one from Rick Edelman. That monthly mortgage payment's never going to change. In theory, you might have an adjustable rate mortgage. But for most of us, I have a home right now that I live in California that I pay $3,400 a month on. And 12 years ago, $3,400 a month was about all I could afford. 
my sugar booger said, let's buy a house. Let's make babies. And I said, okay. We no longer needed a small condo or apartment or whatever the scenario was. Making babies needed, meaning you had to have a room so dad could sleep while baby cries in the middle of the night. And as that kid grows, it hurt, you need more space. So 1,600 square feet was more than enough for a family of four when the kids were small. But that payment of $3,400 a month was a lot of money to me 12, 12 years ago. Now that the kids are starting to hit teenage years, 3400 is not that bad. Especially since I got locked into California's got Prop 13. So my property taxes are increasing at a way less rate than my income did. Everything got easier. Now I'm stepping into another home, which has more space after a year where real estate prices went up 17%. That's not great. Renters lack predictability and stability. A renter can expect rent to increase each year. Faster than the overall rate of inflation given today's tight housing supply. I've talked a lot today about being 50 and people my age that I know that are renters and they've been renters for life. One of them just left his hometown. He had kids in the Bay Area and he was renting for probably 20 years. Um, he only started having kids 12 years ago, 10 years ago. So his kids are my kid's age, but his landlord basically kicked him and his wife out wants to sell the home. So they had to leave the Bay area. They couldn't find a comparable home size for rent that they weren't competing with neighbors on. Housing is a leveraged investment with median new buyer putting down about 5% of the home's value and borrowing the remainder. A modest 3% increase in the value of a home is equivalent of a nearly 60% return in the initial investment. It's not surprising to me that the homeowner has about 40 times more wealth than the median renter. The median homeowner has about $255,000, whereas the median renter has about $6,300. If you tell me we don't live in a world of have and have nots, and that this housing situation is not impeding economic and racial equity. I'll tell you, you're, you're loco in the cocoa. Homeowners are more likely to be white. About 28% of non-Hispanic white households are renters, as compared to 58% of black households and 52% of Hispanic households. Um, so I think it's a real issue. Statistically, I don't know socially what I'm talking about. But I think statistics are showing me that the average homeowner has a higher net worth than the average renter. And you're more likely to be a homeowner if you're white. I'm checking all those boxes and that makes me nervous. So people are no longer talking about moving to cities with high housing costs. The fact is that house prices are also increasing quickly in more affordable areas that offer good jobs like Austin and Denver. So my friend who was forced to leave the California Bay Area, he's now living up in the mountains of California because he wanted to be close to his friends and family, but he wanted a, a much cheaper home. So I think there's a story there, and uh, I think we all should be very honest about it. 
we can address some of the challenges by asking our government to create additional housing. Why that's not more of a priority, I don't understand. Other than the government can't spend even more money, let the private sector do that. I'm stoked that uh, Jeff Bezos went to space. I, he didn't cost our government a penny. Well, maybe it did with tax benefits, right? So if we build more homes, that will slow the rate of home appreciation and allow more renters to become homeowners. In turn, helping both alleviate the housing shortage that currently plagues virtually every community in America. And ultimately trying to level the economic playing field for millions of low-income renters and renters of color who can't make the critical transition to home ownership in the current market. The damage we're doing today with low-cost money will, will play out over 10 years. And for the record, I'm benefiting from it. I happen to be Caucasian, and I happen to be a homeowner. That makes me feel very, very strange to say out loud. Let's talk about what is happening and what happened on Wall Street. The market, after you've had a big run-up, or you, after you go out and exercise in the heat, sometimes you spend some time barely moving. Yesterday was a day on Wall Street where we barely moved. And that brings up the question of what's next to move the market. Senate voted to move forward with a nearly $1 trillion infrastructure package after a bipartisan group of senators agreed to the key aspects of the plans. The deal signals to the world that our democracy can function, so says President Biden. I think that's a shot at Trump, is it not? Google and Twitter have both said, you don't have to come back to work. In fact, don't. So we're delaying the reopenings of offices. A little bit of a concern. How concerned are you? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Listen to the Rob Black Show on your Alexa or Google Play device. Just say, listen to the Rob Black Show. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. So I snuck in that Google is delaying the return to the office by a month and a half to mid-October, trying to let the Delta variant cool down. Today, it's being reported there's a new variant in Miami that's likely coming to the country from South America as Miami is a very sexy and cool city to visit. Apple pushed its return to office date back at least until October. Twitter did the same. Spokespeople for tech giants like Facebook have said that health data, not a date, is going to decide when their offices are going to be back at full capacity. Joe Biden's playing with the idea of a federal mandate for federal workers to be vaccinated or lose their jobs. You're seeing more corporations do the same thing. Some people call it mandate madness. Google said that anyone coming into the office would need to be vaccinated. Facebook, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, United Airlines have all made the similar statements. The mandate madness is what we're calling it. 
I would imagine there'll probably be some lawsuits because that's how America works. The Robinhood app, is, not the app, but the company is set to go public under the ticker symbol Hood. <laughs> that's just too cute, is it not? Um, I don't know the business plan well enough to say if it's a good idea, a bad idea. I have not read their prospectus. I do know that they've had run-in with regulators leading to penalties like a recent $70 million fine. FINRA and the F FINRA and the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority and the SEC have investigated Robinhood. So even before they become a publicly traded company, a living individual in the eyes of the IRS, they've had some legal issues. Um People think when the pandemic ends, app downloads and trading activity will slow and the meme stock craze won't reignite. Now, what you would like about Robinhood on a very basic level is the fast growing nature of the way it's allowed average Joes to feel like Wall Streeters. Proponents think it'll continue to be the app of choice for a growing army of individual investors that Robinhood empowered with a zero commission model and a sleek interface. I don't know enough about it. The fact that it's an IPO is not enough for me. I know a lot of people are like, I just want a hot IPO. What's a hot IPO? Well, that's probably a hot IPO, but I don't know enough about it to make a decision. Pfizer fabricates pharmaceuticals. They projected the COVID vaccine sales would hit $33.5 billion this year. If you're looking for a, a conspiracy theory, it's right there. I'm not looking for a conspiracy theory. I grew up overseas and you couldn't travel from country to country without shots. I believe shots saved my life as a child. At one point in time, I was living in Turkey and it was such a filthy country. Just they had horse carriages and horses would poop everywhere and no one would clean it up. I'm not talking, I'm not being mean to Turkey or anything like that. But you don't see that on the streets of San Francisco. Well, you do see that on the streets of San Francisco with homeless people, right? Fecal matter everywhere. Um, $24 a dose is what the U.S. pays. You order 200 million doses. Um, get this. For the Delta surge now, Pfizer's actually charging more. And there's a strong thought of a third booster shot is going to be needed for extra protection. That they're going to ask the regulatory approval for its booster shot next year. One of the conspiracy theories I've heard is that this is never going to go away. And if you think that, then you should go buy some shares of Pfizer, just between you and me. If you're a one-shot vax kind of person, I don't know. Moderna is going to report their earnings on August 5th, and I can just tell you that when Pfizer reports and they show us 33.5 billion in COVID vaccine sales um, and that they're charging the United States more per dose, $24, $24 a dose now versus 1950 for previous orders. Keep in mind that manufacturing this stuff is not something you and I can do in our backyard. So I know that there's a cost and if you're going to have a company do it, they're going to have to cover their costs maybe and then some. Or when they make mistakes or when they get sued. Yeah. I don't get into the big issues of social 
attacking companies that are for profit. I would rather have a vaccine that I'm paying too much money for than not have a vaccine that I'm in, on a ventilator for. Renewables became the second most prevalent energy source in the U.S. last year behind only natural gas. Accounting for 21% of all electricity generation, renewables topped nuclear and coal for the first time. I find that positive. McDonald's earning had a strong beat driven by a new chicken sandwich and promotion with K-pop band BTS. Korean pop BTS. Um... The K-pop superstars had a special meal, 10 McNuggets, fries, Coke, and fun sauces. I don't even like the phrase fun sauces, but I'll tell you what. McDonald's has tapped into something. Because the moment you got a BTS McDonald's bag, it went on eBay for sale of a collector's item. J Balvin, who is a Latin American musician who I don't know any of the music. Travis Scott, I've had to been shown the music. I'm like, oh, that's who Travis Scott is. Or that's what he does. McDonald's has done great. They've they've done fantastic with these uh, promotions. I could see an Ariana Grande one coming soon, can't you? Facebook posted its fastest sales growth since 2016, but shares are dropping. As they said, the growth is going to slow over the next few quarters. What's interesting to note about that is that's problematic because the back half of the year is when we get shot Christmas and back to school, and that should be the time when advertisers are spending the most. So Wall Street's not liking that combo today. The U.S. women won the inaugural gold medal in three-on-three basketball. Ah, uh, I don't get some of these Olympic sports. But I don't know. Maybe they're kind of fun to watch. <clears throat> um, something I want to kind of briefly talk about, I don't want to spend too much time on it, is that our economy and our world frequently gets on the brink of destruction where everything could end at any minute. It feels like that, whether it's the pandemic or whether it's the financial crisis <clears throat> that led to the collapse of Lehman and Bear Stearns. It gets very dramatic. People don't generally do well with drama of everything could end. I could die in a car accident. I could die in a plane accident. People don't like those thoughts. And on Wall Street and on our economy, we've always pulled ourselves out of the brink of the fire. We are a resilient bunch, and I think we will continue to be. That's optimism. From the evolutionary perspective, I think we've all studied a little bit about cavemen. We were hunter-gatherers. We found food and shelter. Um, we stayed clear of problems. In this world, we build up things like cash reserves to um, do nothing with. Just save for a rainy day. Save for that disaster that's probably right around the corner. It's probably the clown that's under your bed. It's probably the uh, garbage disposal that's going to turn on magically when your hand's in it, and you're like, please don't turn on the garbage disposal. My hands in there. It's the boogeyman, the worst case scenario that never comes to fruition. Taking a sick vacation day, we don't want to do. 
Um, even though we should, because we'd feel refreshed, but we don't want to lose our jobs and we don't want to be noticed. So there's something about that fear that drives us. We don't tend to go, wow, I've got enough money to solve all my problems. I've got enough money and discipline to live till the day I die. There's financial fears that always creep into our heads and you really got to work on that yourself. I used to run around with fears that the worst case is going to hit, that we're going to have another stock market crash, that this time, as Red, was it Red Fox, Sanford and Son? It's the big one. Um, as you get older, you're kind of taught that we have to have more imagination about solving our problems because we do a pretty good job of it. But yet, at the same time, you kind of feel that there's some man-made problems always looming. And it's going to be the next thing that takes us down. I just throw this out there for people. We're pretty good at surviving. We're pretty good at building up so much wealth that we end up having children who live off our wealth. Children who don't have to go to create a, a job. In my family, we I have some relatives where the parents were wealthy enough money to a kid. That kid gets married and they blow the money. He never, ever learned how to create wealth. He never, ever learned how to save wealth. He only knew how to spend wealth, which ties back into what the show is all about. Earning more, investing more, saving more. There's multiple ways to become wealthy. And if you can master those three, you can lose some of your fears. Losing some of your fears is a great thing. I used to have a fear of taking my shirt off in front of a, a woman, or even a guy for that matter. And uh, once you lose that shame, it's very empowering. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Find me at robblack.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. robblackshow.com robblackshow.com It's pretty interesting to live in this world today. I like marking things in 10-year periods. The last 10 years in housing has been a very bad time for renters, which tend to be younger people, millennials. We've had two big stock market corrections. Um, we've had job losses that hit over 10% unemployment alarmingly twice in their investment careers, which I look at it from age 20 to 60. And it's in the earliest part of their investment careers. One of my favorite books was Charles Dickens, Great Expectations, about an orphan named Pip. 
Um, it's a coming of age story. It used to be sold in chapters when people would read chapters at a time and then wait for the printing press to print up the next one and then sell that chapter. And what's fantastic about it is that in every chapter, this kid almost gets caught, killed, murdered, mutilated, uh, raped, burglared, you name it. He gets himself into bad situations every single time. And what's fantastic is it has a decent ending, a good ending. And at the end of it, you're like, whoa, look at those 30 chapters. And I like to look at that as my life. My producer just said to me, you're having a bad year. You've had your car stolen. Yes. Ding. And you've had someone rent your, try to rent your house for $13,000, even though you're going to live in it and not with renters. Fraud. So there's been some bad luck there, but I'll be honest with you. I look at my life in 10-year periods, and I feel pretty good about where I'm at. I think you need to do the same. I'm looking at housing right now, and I'm going, I wish I could curse right now. I wish I could drop, drop the F-bomb. Um, I wish I could say the word poo-poo, but in a more colorful way. I could do it on the podcast. What do you think about an R-rated version of the podcast? You can get the podcast at iTunes or Spotify. Check under Rob Black and your money. And there's two Rob Black shows. There's the good one and there's the evil one, just so you know. So I'm looking at the last 10 years of housing and it, it kind of freaks me out. Because in the 90s, we were building bigger homes. I remember in the 2010s, we were building micro homes. Working in television, I'd see the reporters go out and like, there's a new building going up in San Francisco. The average apartment's going for $1 million and it's 400 square feet. You're like, what did he just say? 400 square foot apartment? $1 million. I like the idea of smaller places to live, especially in a city where you can go out to great restaurants. You can go out to great fields. You can walk everywhere. You don't need a car. You can save money there. But then the pandemic hits and that plan went to hell. But the last 10 years, home prices are up 81.5% almost 20% in some cities in 2020. Um, and these aren't necessarily the sexy cities like San Francisco and New York, London, Beijing, Hong Kong. These are cities like Denver and Phoenix. That ain't good. Average homeowner, median homeowner has 40 times more wealth than the median renter. And that's that's huge in the last 10 years. 255000 versus $6,300. The median income for homeowners is $82,000 versus median income of renters at $42,000. Homeowners are more likely to be white. About 28% of non-Hispanic white households are renters as compared to 58% of black households and 52% of Hispanic. So... I don't know if you picked up what the term non-Hispanic white household means. I, I think you know. Uh, American white. So 28% are renters, 58% of black households are renters, 52% of Hispanic. And I just got done telling you that home prices are shooting up 17.5%, even though incomes across America are only shooting about 3.5%. These numbers are set to get much, much worse. So I was able to buy a home 
and I got stupid lucky when I did in 2000. Um, maybe my first one was in the late 90s, mid 90s. Like, and what was interesting about that, my mortgage rate was seven and a half percent on my first. It was like 10 percent on my second. Second was a mortgage on top of a mortgage. So the mortgage basically was the down payment. The second mortgage was the down payment on the home that the first mortgage had to have. It was a lot of financial engineering. That place went from $100,000 to $200,000, $220,000 when I sold it. Um, maybe five, six years that I owned it. Crazy. So I do get the haves and have-nots. I hope you do too because it's not fair we don't. Anyhow, anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for putting up with me. Do know that your life will be looked back on fondly when you look at it at 10-year periods and five-year periods. But when you're going through it, it feels very, very dramatic. Um, that's my story. I'm going to stick to it. Um, SP 500 in Dallas at all-time highs. Better than expected earnings reports. Advanced estimate for second quarter GDP showed decent growth, but below expectations. We're spending a lot of government money to get really good GDP, but we're expecting fantastically fantastic. So the, what we're looking for now is putting two adjectives together. We want spectacular, spectacular. We're not getting that. There's some infrastructure deal optimism out there. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can always find me 247-365 at robblack.com. YouTube channel is Rob Black Show. Facebook, there's many of them, but I like I Hate Rob Black is my favorite place to visit. Cute picture of me as a child feeding a goat. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.